Well, good morning. I am not Pastor Eric, nor am I Pastor Dan. In fact, uh, I have the privilege of serving and attending right here alongside you here at Christ Church of Downers Grove, where my wife Kelly serves on the children's team, and, um, and it's a privilege to, to join with you this morning. I'm Bill Scheel. Uh, my role on the other six days is to serve as president of Northern Seminary just around the corner here in Lyle. And so it's a, it's a joy to have a chance to come and teach and to share and to walk with you as we're part of the inbreaking of God's kingdom right here uh, in Downers Grove and to be a part of this new mission, this new work as we take root together as part of Christ Church. And I am so grateful that uh, Pastor Eric had... Uh, invited me to just share a few reflections on an important topic this morning uh, on the other six. As just as last week, uh, Pastor Dan challenged us to see the field, that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. He challenged us then to see the field, that we are, we are Christ's workers, right? And that there would be a field for us that we would find and discover God's mission for us. And the first thing that came to mind for me, because we are so involved in this kind of thing, is not just the work field, but the athletic field. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time with my boys at swim meets. I was not an athlete, okay? So usually on the athletic field, I was on the losing side of whatever was going on. When I went to the award ceremony, I watched someone else get the trophy. Someone else was awarded the ribbon or the prize or the medal. Now, I want you to imagine with me, whether your field is in the workplace or the place where God has sent you on mission is in the home field, right, or on the athletic field, imagine showing up for one of those award ceremonies where you are the loser, okay? Not where you're the winner or the fastest or the smartest or the greatest, all right? You're watching someone else win, okay? But in addition to them receiving the trophy, all right, you also received a prize as the loser, okay? That not only did the winner receive a prize and a trophy, but as part of the ceremony, the winner turned right around and said, you are awarded a gift. Now, as odd and strange and as wonderfully revolutionary as that might be in our world today, do you know that is precisely what has happened to us as believers in Christ? That as Jesus has won the prize Conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave through his resurrection, he has turned right around and awarded you the gift that he deserves. And we call those spiritual gifts. And this morning, they're not just used only here in the gathered body of Christ at Christ Church Downers Grove. But Paul challenges us this morning that we are to use our spiritual gifts on the other six days. And we find that in Ephesians 4. So I'd like to invite you to turn with me to two passages this morning. One in Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 9. And then also, would you 
place your finger in Psalm 68, or if you use a phone, would you also open up a tab to Psalm 68? Because we're going to notice a song in the background of Paul's wonderful letter this morning here in Ephesians 4. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to throw a lot at you today. And so there is also a card in your chair or nearby that says spiritual gifts in your field. So you might want to have that handy because uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Eric has challenged us with this topic that's going to cause us to reflect and think outwardly about something that we would normally use here as the body of Christ, we're actually going to deploy on mission in our field. And Paul explains that and defines that for us in Ephesians 4. All right, if you have your Bibles, notice verse 7. Paul says, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now that word gift, we're going to slow walk this passage, actually comes from really an old Roman military term that when a Roman officer would capture a city, say like Ephesus, he would go in and, you know, raid the banks and and loot the town and depose the monarch, the king, and then have a little victory parade right through the streets of Ephesus, usually with the old monarch in the back paraded around as a mock slave, and then would take his troops back home to Rome and show them All of the gifts, right, that they had just looted from Ephesus and turn around and give those gifts to all the generals and lieutenants who had just helped them conquer the city. Now watch this. Now this is so cool, I think. Paul says, each of us was given one of those gifts, something that Christ has actually conquered for us. But watch what happens. Therefore, it is said... In Ephesians 4, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive, and he gave gifts to his people. So in other words, Paul says that Jesus has conquered us, and he's turned right around and taken us, and turned around and given us the very gifts that Christ deserves. Isn't that marvelous? In fact, Paul explains it this way. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gift he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now what Paul is doing is he's alluding to an old praise song from Psalm 68. So let's flip over there for a moment. To help us understand what Paul is getting at, We need to know the the praise songs that they were singing there at the church in Ephesus. And one of them was obviously Psalm 68. An allusion to an old psalm that announces God's conquest of us. That with mighty chariots, twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands, the Lord came from Sinai into the holy place. You ascended the high mount, leading captives in your train and receiving gifts from the people. Now, what Paul is suggesting to us 
that Jesus has done something for us in his death and resurrection that is so radical, it's going to change our lives on the other six days. That Jesus has ascended the Mount of Sinai on Pentecost Sunday. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, we who were once his enemies, the losers, he's actually turned right around and awarded us gifts to be used in our world today. Now, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, I want you to know something very powerful today. That we who were once rebelling against God, Psalm 68 goes on to say this, even from those who rebel against the Lord, you who were once Jonah trying to flee from God, yes, you're the one that he wants to enlist today. Yes, you, who were, whether you were David or Bathsheba, God wants you, right? You're exactly who he had in mind. If you were the the woman caught in adultery, he's looking for you. If you are the Samaritan woman at the well, you are exactly who the Lord planned to enlist in the other six days. All right. No one gets out of this, okay? If you were like Abraham trying to sell your wife off as your sister, just as Abraham did, yes, this is the resume that, that God is looking for, all right? There are no other qualifications other than God's mercy and grace in your life that is present here today. And he wants to give you gifts. Not only to be used here in the gathered body of Christ, as you are already doing here, helping us to launch this brand new site where you use your gifts to lead us in worship, direct the children's team, Set up signs in the hallway. Serve and love and care for and lead out in outreach just as you have been trained here in the body of Christ to serve. Paul says the Lord wants us to take those very gifts and use them on the other six days. Because spiritual gifts are simply defined as this. Blessings from Jesus' victory to use in your field. The blessings from Christ's conquest that he wants you to use in the very fields that are white unto harvest. Now you might say, okay, what are those gifts? If you've never taken a spiritual gifts class or taken a test for this, or maybe you're new to what it means to be a part of a congregation, the basic five gifts that we base our lives around, these blessings are found in Ephesians 4. They were listed for us in our text earlier, but let me just simply define them. There are five of them that you can remember them simply by the five fingers on your hand. The first one is apostles entrepreneurial initiators and gatherers. If you are around people who like to start things all the time, right, and who like to get things going and go out and scout new ventures, if they're, if they're an idea factory, some of you know that I'm one of these, okay, who are always coming up with something else to do, right? You are the one who loves to plan the family vacation because you love to go out and find new things. You're an apostle, all right? The second kind of person, a gift, is a prophet. Not a fortune teller, okay? But someone who is good at naming truth, a truth teller. 
who are very good at naming the condition you're in. Sometimes they get unfortunately assigned to be the people who are always negative about everything because they're just very realistic. This is what we're in. This is what we're dealing with. But they also have a real picture of what's going to happen. Oftentimes they are artists and visionaries and poets and musicians. When they say to Dave, Dave, can you find us a song about this, right? Because they are visionaries. They want to see and imagine what God's future is going to be like. How many of you right now within the first 10 minutes of this sermon are already doodling on your card? Are you doodling? Are you do- doodlers? Where are the doodlers? I used to have a, 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 a child, 10-year-old girl, in my church in Tallahassee who would always bring me a picture of my sermon after I preached it, okay? She was a prophet, if there ever was a prophet, okay? If you're doodling, I know who you are. I will find your doodles later. You are a prophet, okay? The third one, apostles, prophets, then pastors, listeners, nurturing, caring, loving. You probably serve in the medical profession already, right? You serve on the prayer team, You listen. You don't give advice. You are just present with people, shepherds, nurturers, apostles, teachers, pastors, evangelists. Evangelists who know very well about how to be friendly and compassionate. You are always hosting and gathering people together, and you always see the silver lining in everything. You're a good storyteller. I, this is my mother-in-law, okay? If, if everything is bad, she finds the good in everything, right? She has a wonderful story to tell about every person, right? Hosting people in your home, you love to put the office party together. Why? Because you have good news to share. It probably makes you uncomfortable to go door to door and share good news because you just want to spend time with people reminding them of why life is so good, evangelists, and then teachers. You know how to give advice, and usually you're right. In fact, after this sermon today, you are going to get out your Bible commentaries to find out if what I am preaching about was really true, right? And next week, you will find me somewhere and challenge me on what I'm saying here because you will study what I'm about to say. Okay, you got the picture? Now, we could probably spend all the time to this morning fleshing out how to define these, and maybe we could take a test and I could help you discover what your gift is. But this morning, I want us to really think together about how the early church knew what their gift was. Because, you know, they didn't take tests and they didn't have a conference and they didn't, you know, uh, go to a, a weekend retreat. I'm convinced that the early church knew how the Spirit was going to empower them on the other six because, watch this, I know this is not scientific, but this is my theory, okay? I think they knew which gift God was going to use in their lives because they were already using it. Like they were already apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors on the other six days first. Remember, you know, these people did not grow up at church. They were already being the church. So like when you flip over to Romans 16, which we don't have time to do this morning, but if you look in Romans 16, the last chapter of Romans is like Paul's greetings, you know, greetings to this and that and the other. And you will remember that he greets Prissa, that's Priscilla, nickname, And Aquila, remember, they worked with him as what? Tent makers, right? 
So Priscilla and Aquila were already entrepreneurial apostles, right? As tent maker workers. Priscilla was a teacher as a tent maker long before she ever taught Apollos what he needed to know, right, from the book of Acts. That Erastus was the city treasurer before he became a part of the body of Christ. So he was already deployed as some kind, well, if he was a city treasurer, he was probably a prophet, you know, holding everyone accountable, you know, a truth teller. He was probably an organizing administrator teaching and guiding the office. Do you see how that works? So that by the time the Spirit says, I am going to give you gifts, the Lord met them where they are on the other six days and began to teach them a very important question. And here's the real question that I want us to wrestle with this morning, with the time we have, we have remaining. It's the real purpose of the gifts that have been given to us, not to make Christ Church, Downers Grove, the biggest multi-site in the world. Not so that we can feel better about ourselves, right? But so that we can take our gifts into the world for what? Well, Paul said it in Ephesians 4, verse 12. So you can flip back to Ephesians 4 if you want to find this, but this is really key. He says, some are apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists. Why? To equip the saints, circle this, for the work. The work of ministry. Whether you work, whether you play, whether you teach, whether you learn, in your field, for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Literally, the Greek phrase is this, to reset the bones of life. That in your field right now, someone or something is broken and your gift can be used to mend the bones. Just as you went to the, if you went to the doctor today and you had a broken arm and your physician would put on a cast, your gift, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, is there to reset the bones in your field. Now you might say, how would that work? How would I know who or what is broken in my field? Well, let me give you a, a, a real-life analogy right now, okay? Something that has actually happened to me in the past, but could very much happen again this week, okay? Let's imagine for a moment that victims of Hurricane Florence, as a result of all the flooding, now some 14 people have died based on the statistics this morning, uh, that victims of Hurricane Florence, because of uh, circumstances beyond our control, had to be evacuated here to the western suburbs of Chicago. Right? And that we had to turn Downers Grove, this Esplanade office complex, into an, a hurricane relief shelter for, let's say, a week. All right. Now, already in your mind, you're wondering, okay, is this even, 
would this even be possible, okay? But I want you to think for a minute, if you were the team, okay, let's say all, you know, 2,000 of us who are here this morning, okay, all of us who are here, and we had to take the very gifts that you have that you've been using to set up this, this multi-site, and you suddenly were deployed to be the hurricane evacuation relief team for all the victims of Hurricane Florence who are going to come here and stay here for a week until they could be taken care of and, 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 and placed back in, in affordable uh, housing and clothes and, and dealing with their wounds. Now, in, in 30 seconds or less, what team would you serve on? Where would you be put to work? And of all the gifts that you would use, which would be the one that you would use in an emergency? Now, you think that's a far-fetched example. Let me tell you something. In my life, in 2005, I was pastoring in Knoxville. You remember what happened in 2005, Labor Day weekend? Hurricane Katrina came rolling up the shores of the Gulf Coast. And things were so bad. Guess where the evacuees washed ashore? The mountains of East Tennessee. I was pastor of First Baptist Church of Knoxville, Tennessee. And in fact, things were so bad, uh, very confidentially and privately, Vice President, former Vice President Al Gore chartered a plane and evacuated about 70 people out of the Gulf Coast. They landed in uh, McGee-Tyson Airport in Knoxville. They were transported to Baptist Hospital that no longer exists in Knoxville, Tennessee, and when the, the patients were discharged from the hospital with just the clothes on their back, guess where they were taken? My church. And for seven days, we tended to 70 wounded, hurting, traumatized people in our church gymnasium. Now, we had very little time to prepare, like 48 hours, okay? So you can imagine what we had to do. We did not have time to take a spiritual gifts test to figure out who could do what, you know. We had apostles who had already been in touch with the Red Cross, okay, who knew that they were coming. We had prophets who walked around and said, okay, if we're going to do this for one week, we need to make sure we take care of all of the homeless in Knoxville too, okay. We don't just need to work on this for a week. We need to change the whole system, all the profits, you know. And so we turned one week into an annual homeless relief ministry. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, we had uh, pastors who showed up and cared for the wounded and bandaged uh, wounds and listened, doctors, nurses who were already working in their field. They just took a week off work and said, okay, I'm here for you. Counselors, we had evangelists, you know. I knew who the evangelists were because they called the Gideons, and the Gideons brought Bibles, and everybody got a Bible for being there for a week. I knew who the evangelists were real fast, right? And they would walk around and encourage everyone, it's going to be okay. And they'd say, well, all I have is my hospital gown. Oh, you look great in a hospital gown. This is perfect for you, evangelists, okay? You know, we can do something with that. Just put a belt on it and cinch it. It'll be great, okay? Evangelists. And then, of course, there were teachers, you know, now what do I do? 
And so the teachers would guide them and give them advice and, and get out their cell phones and reunite families with each other. And some of them would, would find transportation. It was incredible. It was like a spiritual gifts boot camp. Now, I will suggest to you, based at least on my brief experience here, living for two years on mission in the western suburbs of Chicago, we do not have to wait for the victims of a hurricane to wash ashore to know that we are in a disaster zone. That in our fields, where we live, work, and play, there are just as many cries for help over the next seven days of your life to fill up an entire Red Cross relief shelter. In fact, when we're out on the other six days, if we're just paying attention, we will hear all kinds of alerts from the field. This is not to dismiss the very terrible circumstances that my friends in North Carolina and South Carolina are in right now or even the victims of, of Typhoon Magut in the Philippines that has already claimed 65 lives this weekend. What I'm suggesting to you, though, in the intense nature of the typhoons and hurricanes of these disasters, in separate, isolated individual cases, in our classrooms, in our homes, in our workplaces and seminaries, we can listen for what I would call field alerts to know who or what is broken in my field. In fact, I've listed them for you on your card. That just as Pastor Dan said to us, we need to see our field, around us then, as we use these gifts, we might listen to our field. Now, have you ever heard this? Man, somebody really needs to start something here. We've got a real problem. And there's no one to do anything about it. Who's going to start something? That's when an apostle is needed, right? Or maybe another alert that you might hear in your world. Somebody's got to speak up and say something. There's a victim of injustice here. If this keeps going on and on and on, this will be perpetuated for generations to come. Who's going to say something, right? A prophet is needed. Or maybe you have someone around you in your office who says, you know, I'm really hurting right now. They just need a pastor, right? They need someone to listen to them. They don't want your advice. They just want you to be there. Take them to coffee. Sit with them. Have a meal. Just share and listen. Or maybe in your field this past week as you have seen it and this next week as you're listening, you might hear someone say, there is no one I can trust anymore. Everyone has walked out on me, my spouse, my kids. I've lost my job. Who is it that I can trust? And what they want to know is there's someone by their lips and their lives who can say to them, you know, the one person you can trust is Jesus. Let me just tell you the story of the most important person in my life who has changed me forever. 
And maybe in your field you have heard someone say, I don't know where I'm going. (laughs) Could I just, do you have any advice for me? Could you tell me how to get there? And you know what they really want? They just want a teacher. Now, I would suggest to you that none of us can hear all of those field alerts. None of us can do all of those things or answer all of those questions, but my guess in our fields as we look as they're widened to harvest, our ears are tuned to hear something. So instead of us trying to figure out what my gift is, maybe we should ask another question. Who or what is broken in my field? And what does my field really need from me right now? What gift that I didn't deserve, but because of Christ's victory, I could take and deploy right now. Because here's what Paul said to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed on those other six days, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Just as you have done it here, as you have gathered and planted and rooted and begun to to take shape right here in Downers Grove, whatever you do now, would you just take it to the broken place in your field? and begin to reset the bones of the person or thing that is broken. I wonder this morning, just in the sound of my voice, if if maybe a person has come to mind that you saw last week and now you hear. That as you were scoping and scanning your your field, where you work or you play or you live, you say, yep, yep, that's, that's, that's the one. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Well, the good news is no person in the New Testament ever went alone. Priscilla had Aquila. Paul had Silas and Timothy. Paul needed a lot of help, so he always had a big team, you know. Jesus sent us out two by two. Would you find a field partner, someone else in your field, whether it's the medical field, the work field, the home field, the athletic field, that you could just sit with and dialogue with and you would say, okay, I want to find a field partner and with that partner in the field that you begin to pray and listen to listen to your field with the eyes of Jesus and now the ears of Jesus. And then you would say with that person, what gifts, what gift does my field need from me right now? Because if the victims of Hurricane Florence 
might wash ashore here. I can guarantee you, we'd move in an instant to do whatever we could. Could we take and harness that very energy and use it on the rather ordinary, mundane, glorious, beautiful other six days? Would you bow with me for prayer this morning? And in a moment, I am going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the victims of Florence, and I'm going to pray for the victims of Typhoon Magut. But before we do, I just, very silently, I'm not going to put you on the spot this morning. I'm not going to ask you to do anything out of the ordinary that we would normally do here at Downers Grove. But I just want to give you just a few moments to be reminded that that no matter what you have done as a rebel against the Lord, God still wants to use you. And no matter what field you're in, paid or unpaid, student or teacher, volunteer, professional, who or what is needed right now? Where is the broken place where the warning signs are going off right now that you could be used this week and on that card that I gave you earlier there's just a simple place that you can fill in even today this afternoon even while we sing in just a moment the need that the Spirit is directing you to. And I would just encourage you to to notice that blank space for you to fill in because you're literally going to be completing the sermon here with your life and your action. So let's pray together. Lord, today, the fields are not only white unto harvest, but the fields cry out for help. Some of those are not far from us. Some of those are on the coastlines of our world. Today we ask for rescue and aid to come to grieving families and hurting and wounded and flooded lives who stand in the waters of Hurricane Florence and Typhoon Magoot. That you would send your rescue workers through agencies like Samaritan's Purse, the Red Cross and many others to help victims. God, pluck them out of flooding waters. May your presence be real and felt. May somehow the light of Christ shine even brightly in the midst of this suffering. And Father, today may we not wait until something happens to us. May we tune our ears now to be attentive to what is happening right now in our fields. We have not been commissioned to have all the answers. We have not been commissioned to give all the advice. We have simply been given a gift we don't deserve. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. May we share it by your power and courage and grace 
and love and mercy this week. In Jesus' name we pray.